All right, another day in quarantine. I legitimately have just stopped counting what quarantine day we're on. It's a few weeks now. Um, but uh, another wellness check. My goal of doing these once a day is continuing, although my guest for tomorrow just had to cancel, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, anyway, uh, today's guest is uh, someone I've become friends with over the last year, year or two, maybe, I guess. Um, his name is Stuart McVicker. Stuart and I have run in similar circles for quite a while, and we've both been aware of each other, but I don't know that we ever actually, like, I mean, we've met across paths, but we never actually, like, talked much, right? So, um, the first time that I really saw something about Stuart was um, a TV show that we'll talk about in the interview um, that uh, featured his completely insanely decked out basement at his house uh, in uh, Lake of the Hills. He's dubbed it Club 400. It's a uh, Cubs super fan cave. It's absolutely insane. Uh, I'll post some links with the uh, along with the podcast. But uh, Stuart uh, and I are sort of kindred spirits. We really enjoy getting people together and having a good time and um we throw oversized parties and sometimes maybe overextend ourselves a little bit um but uh you know that is what it is um he uh he moved to chicago uh after graduating from uh northern illinois in 1997 he told me a story that was that we did not record about the first apartment he lived in, uh, burned to the ground. He, he and everyone who was in the place at the time were lucky enough to get out. Um, but uh, he uh, eventually got married, moved out to the suburbs, and when he was house hunting with his wife, would go straight to the basement and try to find a place that he could build into this amazing fan cave. And he has done it. Um, he's hosted quite a few uh, people from Cubs uh, past and present and had really big events there where they raised a lot of money. Um, the one that put him on the map and he talks about it was, uh, Tom Ricketts in 2014 and the money that they raised for a friend who was going through, um, some really tough times health wise. Um, he, we, we talk about some of the, some of the memorabilia he's got, uh, he has more memorabilia than he's got space for it, which is kind of crazy. And he's got some really cool pieces um, including like game used stuff. So we talk about that and we talk about some stuff that he just recently picked up. We talk about the amount of money that they've raised for various charities uh, in these parties at Club 400. Um, we talk about um, his motto being Cubs fans helping Cubs fans, which I think is pretty cool. And um, how things have changed. He has a lot of relationships with players, past and present, and some front office folks and that stuff. And... Um, you know, how things have changed since 2016 in some ways for the better and some ways maybe not. Uh, first Cub that he had, uh, that he hosted was Kerry Wood. So we talked about that, which is pretty cool. Um, fans of the Cubs from back in the day might remember the quote unquote, we got wood shirts that were uh, going around Wrigleyville. Um, Stewart had a little something to do with those and it eventually wanted him and wound up uh, landing him in Cook County Jail. Uh, so we talk about that, uh, talk about one event that went a little sideways, um, 
it's it's a really fun, enjoyable interview. Uh, Stuart's a great guy. He and I actually um, collaborated at spring training this year. He helped get uh, Miguel Montero and John Maley to one of our events, and it was uh, it was really cool. Um, and uh, you know, Stuart's a very passionate guy. Um, very fortunate to have met him, and uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. Yet another day in quarantine. I've lost count of how many days it is. It, it feels like a couple of years, but I think it's been less than a month still. Um, but uh, the uh, the wellness checks continue, continue. Today, my guest is Stuart McVicker. Stuart, how are you? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I've been listening in. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so so um, Stuart is probably a familiar face and even more so over the last few years because he turned uh, and I've yet to see it in person. We're going to have to change that after the quarantine, but he turned uh, a large, is it your basement? Yeah, it's my basement. Yep. He, he turned his basement into an ultimate fan cave uh, and he calls it Club 400. Um, I first uh, heard of it um, a couple of years ago. There was like a some some like TV show featured it, right? Like it was like a like a fan. It was on a, actually, it was on net, it's on Netflix right now. It's still streaming. So it's a show called Amazing Interiors. I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. I was like, who is this dude? Man, like, holy shit. <laughs> it's impressive. I don't want to get into, like, uh, you know, the numbers necessarily, but. Because as you get new memorabilia and stuff you probably find new places for but when did you start building out club 400 well you know i i uh to back up for real quick i met my wife at Wrigley field uh, okay just like just like tom rickett yeah exactly we met at the full ceiling which we talked about earlier brad i used to hang yeah. out there and then um i proposed to her at uh i proposed to her on a rooftop overlooking Wrigley field Oh, uh, because the, the Cubs wouldn't let me in there. That was that was when the Tribune owned it. They weren't too friendly back then. But um, <laughs> and then I had a Cubs-themed wedding, you know. And, oh my God! Uh, what's that? I just, I just, that's okay. Keep. I, yeah. So I, I had a Cubs-themed wedding, and, and I, I kind of I lived. I was born and raised in McHenry, Illinois, and believe it or not, for 38 years I lived on the same street. That's because. My parents bought the house next door to them, I think, just to, you know, keep their kids close or whatever. So me and my brother ended up moving into the house next door. <laughs> and then uh, I, it was a really small house. It was a, probably about 750 square foot, single car garage. But I turned that single car garage into a man cave, basically. And, like, if you live in McHenry, you're probably at my house. You know, I'm like you, Brad. Like, I always, I've always liked to film parties, get people together. Yeah, you know, uh, former community. So that that was me. So I was like, it used to have tons of people over. You know, it was pretty bad when your mom and dad walk over to your house and threaten to call the cops on their own kids. You know, but that's how it was. <laughs> so what? How old were you? What what year? What year was this? How old were you? Well, I we, I lived in that house, uh, the house next door to my parents, probably for ten years, probably. You know. Uh huh. So yeah, and so the, the, when I left. Getting to your question was uh, was when me and Lisa bought this house. Okay. Uh, when we went when we went to go look at houses, the first thing I would do is go immediately. You know, we went to, we looked at tons of models, but I didn't care. I went immediately to the basement to see the layout, the rough the rough look of it, to see if it was something I could build the the ultimate 
place to hang out with, you know? <laughs> and um, so I, she'd get mad because I could care less about what was on the main floor, <laughs> the pretty parts. I was like going down, look at, Oh, what, can we do something with this? Can we do? So, um, so I bought this house in 2008. It was the same year we got married. And about 2009, I started the process of building Club 400. I got my brother-in-law involved, who is an architect. And like I was, I was, I really wanted to build the, the coolest Cubs man, Cubs man cave ever. And the, the thought behind it was, was, you know, I've always been a big Cubs fan out there. And like when I go to Wrigley Field and I walk through the turnstile. I forget about life outside it's for like three or four hours. It's a happy yeah. place, you know? Yeah. So, and I would like to go every single day, obviously, but you can't, obviously. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to build it second best place to watch Cub games. And I'm going to build it. And I'm going to have this awesome Cubs basement, not knowing to where it was going to go, but the project was a four year long project. And oh my God. four years. And, and I wouldn't let any of my friends or family. I mean, this might, my, my wife and so like, or see it, you know? So for four years, I'm sounding like a crazy lunatic, you know, like, Hey guys, I, I think it's been longer than four. I think it's been longer than four years. Exactly. So, uh, so it was going on so long and I was so tired of talking about it, you know, because my close friends, I'm like, oh. so I finally, I'm like, okay, I mean, I want to be able to party in this place. So I need to get this thing done sooner or later. So I, I, I put a deadline on it. Like I, I'm gonna have my 40th birthday party in the in the basement, and and um, it was a very happy day. Obviously, I mean you're talking about 40. And most of the reason why it took four years was because of money. You know, these residential guys come in and they want to get paid when they walk out the door. And people ask me like, how much did you spend on the basement? Uh, I could have bought a small house with the money I bought. You know, I spent <laughs> on this basement. And that's not sure. that's not a lie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we you know. It's most expensive parts of the basement is the stuff that you don't even see, like the lighting system, the audio system. Right. There's a lot of, you know, the basement is independent from the whole entire house, so it has its own furnace, has its own electrical panel that has, you know, that's pretty much used all the way up. And, uh, but yeah, no, as far as the items in it, they're, most of the items have a story behind them, so they're not just stuff that, you know, bought off Fanatics or whatever else, because yeah. uh, I've been a Cubs fan for so long. Uh, my mom and used to take us on the road and we used to stay in the Cubs hotel. So a lot of items down here have stories uh, that behind them. And that what's, that's what really makes this so special. How many pieces of memorabilia would you estimate you've got down there? Well, I'll tell you what, I have more memorabilia than I have space for. And that's my problem uh, right now. And like you said, I have been rotating stuff out that you might've seen somewhere else. Just so I, everything here is a little bit different. I've been lucky enough to get involved with the Cubs community, meet a lot of different artists, so I have some of their work down here. Uh, but, yeah, I don't even know, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, I've been really concentrating on the game-used stuff, uh, stuff that, you know, game-used bats. I, I really like game-used gloves because, I mean, obviously that's a, a player's most personal uh, item that they have, and they're yeah. the hardest, hardest ones to get. Like, I just purchased uh, Chris Bryant's uh, 2008. Yeah, 2019 glove. So that was my latest oh, purchase, you know. It was his third base glove. Now he, uh, I think Chris Bryant, and uh, he has a first base glove and he has an outfielder's glove, so he has three. But uh, I wanted the, the third base one, you know. Yeah. But, so, we're, we're, but yeah, we're so we rotate. I rotate stuff all the time. You, you know what? It's kind of like uh, I found Tom Warman. He's a great collector in the Cubs community, and he's kind of like the center of it. 
And I got involved with Tom, uh, met him, and then I met a lot of his friends. But the Cubs, uh, Cubs community, you know how they are, they're so diehard, and there's just so many people that are collecting stuff. And that's one of the reasons why, like, Cubs stuff is just, if you go to any other teams and you say, like, a Chris Bryant back compared to, like, a, you know, any other team star player, I mean, except maybe Mike Trout and a few other guys, Cubs stuff holds its value because of the, the collectors are so strong out here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you've been to like a lot of like the Harry Carey's restaurants. Um, the they like the I think it's the Navy Pier one. The last time I was there, they've got uh, one of the 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 I think it's the guy the fourth guy who was in the infield in 1908 with uh, Evers, Tinkers, and and Chance and Chase the uh, the other guy. And chance. I mean, Tinker's ever um, the chance, though, was it? Uh, yeah, there's the, there's a the, there's the, the fourth guy. I guess he would have been the, the third baseman. Or, uh, but uh, they've got his uniform there, and it, it, I mean, it's just it's like it's epic. I mean, it's you know, it's just like it just looks so cool. I mean, I, and I think the Cubs colors, you know, being red, white, and blue, like that that contributes to it too. In addition to exactly everything else around. Well, Grant's a Grant's a Porter man. He's got his hands on some really awesome items. He's obviously yeah. a big Cubs collector in the community too. That has a lot of a lot of great stuff, especially at six. The 2016 stuff is is the stuff that. Uh, oh yeah. You know, it'll always hold he's a value. Like, I believe. Got, yeah, he's got like Chris Bryant's cleats, and he's got um, I think like David Ross's chest protector, and he's got yeah, he's got a lot of really cool stuff. Oh yeah, he he's sure. he, he's 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 pretty connected, and yeah, he he buys his stuff. He he knows what he wants, and. Uh, He's got obviously right. a great place. He's got a great place to to display it and share it with people, you know. And that's like a lot of people ask me, like, you know, and this, that's kind of the depressing thing now is with everything that's going on is walking down into the basement, you know, it being completely empty. And you know, the basement comes alive when there's people here, you know. Uh, and there obviously hasn't been people here for a while, not knowing what was going on, you know. Um, you know, we turned Club 400 into a cha- charity. Um, we raised like $420,000 since 2014 for Cubs fans and Cubs related charity. Something that I'm really proud of, Brad. You know, and the cool thing about it was it was never the plan of this place. You know, the the plan was just was just to build a cool basement to hang out with my friends with and watch games. You know, but like when I opened it for my 40th birthday and the people came down here, they're like, "Holy cow!" And a lot of them said. <laughs> A lot of them said, like, hey, man, you should do something with this place. This place is special. You did something really, really awesome here. And that kind of resonated in me, and I I thought about it, but I didn't quite know what direction that was going to be. And then um, in, I think it was 2014, my buddy came over here. His name was Nick Sheridan, and um, he suffered from bacterial meningitis. Oh, And he lost – he, he's a miracle. He's a walking miracle, and he's one of the greatest guys you're ever going to meet. Uh, you know, the stuff that he's gone through, and he, he's the funniest guy you ever met. But anyways, he used to rent those uh, – he used to race those sprint cars, uh, mini sprint cars. Yeah. And um, so he was racing, I think it was the weekend before, and he came over, and I was, like, asking him about how he was racing. He's like, oh, man, I'm really depressed. He's like – my arm fell off when I was driving. It caused me to crash into the wall. You know, <laughs> now I can't drive my car anymore. And I was like, "Well, what ha- what happened?" He's like, "Oh, it's a total mess." But like the big part that got ruined was the wing on top. I'm like, "Well, how much is the wing?" And he's like, "Oh, like 500 bucks." And I'm like, 
ah, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe I'll sponsor your car, you know, and buy you a new wing, you know. And then we started drinking. It was actually the night the Blackhawks were eliminated from the playoffs. So it was 214. And, okay. um, so more and more we got drinking. I started talking to him about his prosthetics. I woke up with a really bad hangover, but I, I woke up with a really good idea. I was like, you know what? I think let, let's throw a fundraiser for Nick, you know, and let's get a new prosthetics. So at the time, I had Tom Ricketts wanted to come out here. Tom gave me his email address. He gave me his phone number, and he told me to call him because I met him at the Cubs convention. I kind of played yeah. a really good good move, Brad. You know, uh, I took about 20 pictures of this place. And, you know, um, when, at the Cubs convention on Saturday mornings, they have the, the Ricketts uh, panel, which yeah. they haven't had for a few years now, but back then they did. And uh, so I knew Ricketts was going to be there, so I, I basically – put 20 pictures up there with a rubber band around them. Uh-huh. And uh, so I sat in the session. He, he walked in. And then, like, when the session was over, he picked those pictures up and he put them in his suit coat pa- his, his, uh, pocket. And I was yeah. like, man, I landed a fish. I'm like, all right, he's got the pictures <laughs> now, you know. And, uh, that so was the 2014. Yeah, it was 2014 Cubs convention. Yeah. And um, so he, uh, well, he saw me on the Sunday. He was in the lobby and he, and he waved me over. He goes, Stu, you know, uh, I wrote a little note on there and stuff on the back of a couple of the pictures, but I was like, he's like, you know, I had heard about your basement, but I didn't know it was to this extreme. He's like, I really want to come over to your place. You got to remember, like, I don't think you would do that nowadays, but like back right. then the Cubs were, were like, you know, that, you know, actually the night that he came over, well, so when I was sitting here, I wake up hungover. I was like, you know what? Ricketts wants to come over. My buddy needs new prosthetics, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> it's just, I was like, Duh, you know, pretty much. So I was like, I, I emailed Tom and I said, Tom, if you come out here, you do a fundraiser for my buddy. He needs new prosthetics. I want to give him two legs and an arm. Tom was immediately in, uh, came out, and the funny thing, it was, uh, I think it was in August, it was the debut of Solaire. So uh, okay. when Ricketts came over, he brought us, uh, me and Nick, a Solaire jersey autographed, you know. It was, right. But that was like kind of like the beginning of the Cubs, you know, when they were turning it around a little bit, you know. Right, yeah. I remember, Sol- I think Solar hit a home run in his first game back. But, uh, yeah, Ricketts came over here. We ended up raising, um, like, $30,000 that night. We had a great time, you know. It was, like, yeah, it was that's a, awesome. a, really, a really cool story, Brad, that I haven't really shared with too many people, but it's a good one. And I, I've never said that on a podcast before. But, you know, um, so it was the end of the night. Well, this is awesome. This is so classic. This is great. So it's about 1030 at night. Ricketts is getting ready. He's telling me he's had his last one. He's going to go, you know. So I was like, um, I was like, Tom, you know what? I'd really appreciate if you could do a, at least one shot with us, you know, before you go. If you're here and we don't do at least one shot, you know, I feel like, oh, yeah, no problem, you know. So I go around and, and everybody wants to do a shot, you know. So I, so I go, I was trying to find a tray. I didn't have a tray. So I just ripped a, a Bud Light case, you know, and used the cardboard uh-huh. and put like, 15 shots on there and I went over there and we all, we all did a shot on a cardboard Bud Light, you know, case. And, uh, we do the shot and, you know, 20 minutes later, what the hell? He's got a beer in his hand. <laughs> Tom Ricketts, well, Tom Ricketts was one of the last guys to leave that night. But That's before amazing. he left, yeah, it, it was awesome, you know? And he, the great thing is, uh, his uh, secretary called me up the next day. What'd you do to Tom? He didn't come to work today. 
<laughs> I'm like, all right, we did our job. We did our job last night. But one of the cool things was was that uh, when he walked out, when he walked out, um, he uh, we, we walked him out upstairs, and he's like, hey, I got I got something for you, you know, and do whatever you want with it. So uh, I he handed me a check that was folded, and he walked out the oh, door, and, and I gave it to my mom, and he basically. Definitely. I mean, I wrote, I, I, Nick's mom was here and his sister was here. So I came downstairs and, uh, I said, Hey, Tom just, uh, dropped off a check. I'm going to write it. Cause he left it blank, you know? So I yeah. wrote, wrote Nick's name on there. And that was, I mean, he basically paid for that party that day, but it was from there. Oh my God. That's how club 400 was created. Uh, Cub fans helping Cub fans. Cause someone once asked me like, Stu, what are you, what are you guys doing over there? I'm like, uh, and I think my buddy Wes came up with the term, but uh, it's basically Cub fans helping Cub fans. And, you know, I believe like, you know, we are a Cub, a Cubs community is a community and it's a great community full of a lot of great people I've met, such as yourself and all the other great guys doing stuff, of, you know, content out there, you know, and it's just been an honor to be a part of it and uh, to be able to help people at the same time is uh, something I don't take lightly, and I'm very honored to do it, and I couldn't do it without all the people that come out here and support us, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and you, you sort of referenced it. I mean, I've found personally that, uh, you know, things it's a little bit different dealing with the Cubs now than it was back then. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's the World Series that really sort of changed. The, I mean, they're, you know. Oh, you, you definitely, Brad. Since 2016, everything's changed, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, I think about, like, when I was just talking about the Cubs community, I wanted to bring this up because, like, Chicago, I think, first of all, I mean, the Midwest is the best as far as people, I think. It's just really, people are just so genuine out here. But um, Chicago Cubs are one of the few organizations that could have uh, six, seven, eight events a year. All these play, they, they tell their players, you know, hey, pick a charity, we'll support you. And it right. seems like during the season they have an event every month. A player at least is doing something for his charity, and every one of them sells out, and every one of them generates tons of thousands of dollars. And I think if you went to another town, you, you wouldn't see that happening. But that just tells you oh, about yeah, Chicago no people. And, but you know, I go to all these events, most of them, you know, and um, they were so much better before the World Series. I mean. You know, it was just a lot. They're a lot looser, and then like now yeah. you go to these events, and you know you don't even see the darn the darn players. They're like in the VIP area. Well, you right. charge everybody three hundred bucks to be here. I think you should be in the VIP VIP area when you walk in the door. You know, so right. They're just they're just not as fun. You know, I remember like walking into Harry Carey's at Carey Woods event, which by the way, Carey Woods was one of my favorite guys in the whole wide world. Uh, yeah, he's our first player that was ever here at Club Four Hundred. But Jake Arietta was standing at the bar drinking cocktails. Yeah. Well, that would never happen nowadays, you know? No, I agree. And, um, yeah, I go to that Kerry Wood event every year. You were, I thought you were there this year, and I think we talked last year too. Yeah. And yep. it's, it's always a really fun event. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, you know, it was also it, – it's tough to replicate that, that level of excitement kind of coming into and then coming right out of the World Series, right? It's like even if – even if the Cubs win 90 games and, you know, make it to the NLCS or NLCS, like it's never, it's it, un, unless they're winning again, it's probably never going to feel the same. Right. And it is, it is sort of more business-like. I mean, the first time I met Tom Ricketts, it was at Kerry Woods event, actually, the year 
after they bought the Cubs. He was okay. introduced to me by by a rooftop owner, and then obviously, you know, or or sort of infamously, the the Cubs and the rooftop owners, most of them had pretty bad, you know, falling out. Right. Uh, but but uh, I mean, yeah, Tom was awesome. I mean, the times I've seen him since then, he's also been very nice and accommodating. But like, he was he was like giving me ideas for for heckler article headlines and like. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I mean, you know, because he's been so good to me, and he has. He's been. I don't talk to him that much anymore. I just, I did reach out to him through the virus, just to say hello to him. But uh, yeah, he's been so good to me. In fact, I, I, I credit him for getting me going because once he came over here, he gave us a little street cred, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I'll tell you a story behind the story too. Is so we do that. Uh, Carrie Wood. Uh, I mean, we do the uh, Tom Ricketts parties, and then I'm like, okay, um, what's not like? Let's do this again, you know? Okay, uh, wh- which way are we gonna go here? Well, I don't know if you know this, but me and my brother and a couple other friends, we were the guys who brought the We Got Wood shirts to, to Wrigley Field. Now okay, that's a whole I, other, yeah. that's a whole other podcast, Brad. By the way, yeah, because <laughs> you know we're doing our own podcast right now, and I have yet to do. We got wood story because it is a story. I mean, I mean, basically, we ended up in Cook County Jail, you know. With tell, you, tell yeah, I remember you, you did tell me you did tell me uh, part of that. That was for kind of like you, they 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 said you didn't have the proper permits to be selling them, right? Well, let's put it this way. You know, back when we were doing the T-shirts was 1998. Wrigley Field was a different right. place than it is now. Yeah, for sure. It's a way different, but. You know, we were some dumb kids coming out, coming from the suburbs that came in with the hottest T-shirt that was taking a lot of money out of the Wrigley Field area, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there's politics down there. There's street politics and whatever else. And those people that were there all the time selling shirts on the on the corners, which you don't even see that now, big, you know. But back in the day, there was a bunch of guys out there selling stuff. They didn't take too kind to us. They didn't want us around because we were, as we were, we were, we were taking money from away from them because everybody, everybody was buying our shirts, you know. Right. And it was a short. It was a, it was a year long thing, but for the, for that year, they, they, we we weren't well liked. So we were at Bernie's bar. It, actually, it was August, and we came out with our second shirt. It was to the. Carry K E R R R Y carry us to the pennant, and they had uh, uh, Harry Carey on um, with like uh, angel wings above his head. That's right, because Harry Carey died that year. Yeah, and the Cubs were going all the way. You know, they're on with you know with Carey Wood leading the way, and then um, so we all we came out with our second shirt. We were on, we were on a rooftop, and we go to Bernie's, and you know most of these most and still to this day a lot of these. Security detail at these bars are off-duty cops, you know. Yeah. And there was some pushing and shoving going on. Uh, I actually, with one of my girl, my girlfriend at the time, who isn't anymore, but uh, she got shoved by a security guard. We think that yeah, was. Yeah, what? A, 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 she got shoved by a security guard, uh, like literally shoved by a security guard. And my brother came in. I was actually in the bar, getting a bar. I was actually inside, uh, get, getting a beer. And when uh, someone said, "Hey, your brother is in trouble out there," and I went out there, and sure enough, he, he's got a you know he's tackled, and then oh, no. this guy looks at me. He goes, "I'm like, who, who are you?" I'm like, "That's my brother." I I look to the right of me. All I see is a cop come running at at me. He runs oh, me no. over. 
knocks me knocks me over. We all got tossed in the paddy wagon. Fifteen of my friends. Anybody who was oh. wearing the shirt got tossed in the paddy wagon. Just for wearing it? Well, it was like, I guess they thought we were some cult or something like that. Like, whoever's got that shirt on, put them in the damn paddy wagon, you know? And I'm not kidding you. They took 15 of us in. And um, the, only two, the only two they held were me and my brother. And then they put felonies on us, uh, which, uh, you know, I never touched a police officer. I'm not a fighter. I don't fight. You know? it's not, I was never that guy, you know? So, uh, but, you, you know, guess who our lawyer was? Mike Quigley. Remember him? Now he's a <laughs> big, big, big guy, big time, you know? So, yeah. So, so you got, you got I showed on the t shirts. Well, we used all our t-shirt money to get us out. You know, we didn't make no money because all the money we made on our t-shirts, we had to pay the lawyer, you know? Yeah. But your note, so, to clarify, you're not a felon. I am not a felon. Thank God. Okay, good. No. Good, good, good. Yeah. No. no that, might got, a, that, that might be yeah. the quote that I use to promote this podcast. I am not a felon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? We were worried about it, too. I mean, second degree. So oh, yeah. Was, yeah. That's, that's, that's life changing, you know? Well, and, and things uh, like that, things like that, you know, they like to make examples of people. Um, exactly. You know. I felt really bad, you know, at the time because, you know, we, we have, I've always been a stadium club member at the Wrigley Field. Yeah. And the Burt owners of Donnie, Donnie Dillman, who uh, has since passed, you know, yeah. um, I think his kids run the, run the bar now, you know, we, you know, because his bar was involved, Cubby Bear was actually involved. This was a long time ago, but it was '98. But for a while, I wouldn't go into Bernie's. I don't go to Bernie's every, every, you know, whatever. But uh, right. So we actually, it was just sad because like I felt like I we, we knew people, and then now we got all this crap. And you know, I did get a chance to squash it with Donnie. We had a talk, and you know, and even with the police officer that we were in the high tops one time after it all happened. But we got closure from it. But it was kind of crazy. But going back to where we were was um, so we we want to do our second event. So. And I wanted Carrie Woods, so I called Carrie Woods Foundation up, and uh, I proposed to them that, hey, well, you know, what do I, what, what, what's your minimum amount you would like raised for appearance by Carrie Woods? And they told me at the time it was fifteen thousand dollars, and I said, yeah, no problem, we'll, we'll do it. You know, well, they said, let's <laughs> think about it. So they called me up and I said, Stu, we're gonna pass. I'm like, oh shit, I thought for sure, you know, they would come out. Cause, because we did have a relation with Cliff Carey because of the shirt, too, and everything else. So yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, man, you know what? Tom's going to see Carey Wood because they always have that big event in April, the, the big fancy one, you know, the gala. The yeah. gala. yeah. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call, I'm going to email Tom and say, Tom, if you run into Carey, let, let him know that Stu's not some crazy guy in a basement out in the suburbs, all right? Just let him know I'm, <laughs> I'm legit, you know? So I, I sent that message. The event was on a Wednesday, I believe, the, the, the one that he was going to run in the carry at. Thursday, I get a call from the Wood Foundation. This is after they said no. I said, you know what? We changed our mind. Uh, we would like to come out. And uh, so Kerry was our first player we ever got here, and we raised his charity that night for our second major event, $37,000. And uh, we've had a great relationship with uh, Kerry Wood ever since and, and all the people that run this foundation, which is truly – uh, what they do over there is unbelievable. And as far as um, taking these kids from when they're in, you know, all the way through high school to make sure they graduate, a mentorship program like no, none other. And you know, yeah, I think what yeah, his, doing it at Lawndale is awesome. unbelievable. 
So they wait. So they wanted fifteen, and you raised thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we 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 killed that number. You know. Yeah, yeah you know what? Like, yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, when we hold, when we run these events over here, every single penny goes to charity. You know, we take out all our expenses and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but every single penny goes to charity. You know, I'm lucky enough that I own my own business, the HVAC company that pays the bills. I'm telling you what, like I talked, I brought, some, you know, uh, my life basically consists of work, and then when I can get to Wrigley Field, I go to Wrigley Field, and you know, and obviously being a dad and everything else. But you know, my love is going to the Cubs games, and what's happened to me is like a lot of people say, "Oh, you're the biggest Cub fan ever." Hell no, I'm not the biggest Cub fan ever. There's so many awesome Cub fans out here. I'm just a guy who built a crazy basement, but I am one of the luckiest guys because I mean, I've got the be friends with a lot of these guys that have been over here. You know, this is one thing about Club Fun that's really unique is you're walking into, you you know, this vent's at my house, it's in a basement, and the access you have to the players is unbelievable. You know, these right. guys, by the end of the night, and they, they feel relaxed because they come in, you know, there's what we all, I always find out what their favorite drink is, Brad. I don't care. I always know what that player's favorite drink is before they walk in the door, you know, or what who's, their favorite type of liquor is or whatever else. Who's, who's but, uh, had- Who's had the most eccentric or surprising type of uh, favorite drink? Uh, you know what? Dwight Smith like cognac, and I've never drank cognac that much, but yeah, I was drinking cognac with him that night. Uh, I kind of liked it, actually. I drank it a few times <laughs> since, but uh, Dwight Smith, uh, man, he came here, he sang the national anthem. It was, you know how he sang the national anthem at Wrigley Field? Yeah. So I, when he walked in on the door, I was like, Hey man, uh, you mind seeing the national anthem for us tonight? You know, and he's like, oh, "I don't know about that." I'm like, "Well, I got your favorite cognac over here. Why don't you come over here and have a shot?" Put about two shots with him. He changed his mind and belted the whole thing out. So, <laughs> who? So who's who's been uh, your favorite or most memorable guest so far? Well, you know, we've had a few hiccups here. One of them is the following story is, but wasn't my fault. It never was my fault, but I went called up the Diamondbacks and I got directly to Mark Grace. And uh-huh. this is 2016 after the Cubs won the World Series. I've uh, become really good friends through. I uh, had a long relationship with Dorothy Farrell. Um, yeah. She's, you, know, the, you know, she's not doing well. She's actually she's she's healthy and everything like that. She's just having. Um, major memory issues so she, she only uh, went to like one or two games last year you know and yeah i've just visited her not too long ago her health is great but just yeah her the mental part is not she's just had you know she's got alzheimer's and whatever else yeah and, uh, oh i didn't know that she's a sweetheart she, oh yeah she 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 was she was she's the best you know but uh at one of those so events, yes at one of those events i wound up sort of being her kind of like you know like sort of like like taking her around and helping her talk to different people and she was the most oh, popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She did was the most popular. Anybody, did, did she show anybody her mouse when you were with her? <laughs> uh yeah, but I don't remember how it went. <laughs> okay, well I'll tell all the story. It's it's hilarious. But you know, this is coming from like a eighty, ninety year old woman, you know. She had right. this joke. And she'd go up to the um anybody she'd do it to anybody she did it to ricketts for crying out loud you know yeah she's done it to everybody she's done it to all the players that's been here and whatever else so she's like oh 
you want to see a, a tattoo of my mouth? And up, yeah, let me see it. Well, she pulls her like uh, pant, pants down a little bit, and there's no tattoo there. She says, oops, my pussy ate it. <laughs> yep, when, I remember that when an 80 or 90 year old woman does that to you, you know, you're just like, what the hell, you know, with that, with, with, with that Dorothy in a nutshell, she's, she's, she's a special person. I consider her like yeah. my grandma, you know? Well, yeah. so I bookmark Grace and it's kind of like, you know, the party was kind of around Dorothy too, because Dorothy finally got to see the world series at Wrigley field. It's kind of like a world series celebration party with Mark Grace here. Right. So, I deal directly with Mark Grace, have 150 people at my house, and, you know, I had my brother all set up uh, to pick up Grace from the hotel, get him here. I talked to Grace a few days before the game is, because uh, I usually set up travel. This time, Mark set up the travel, but I got his hotel room, but I make sure we pick him up from the airport, whatever else. So, party started. Eric, go get Mark. Eric heads out. He comes down about a half hour later. Get the hell upstairs right now. I go upstairs, and he said, we got a problem. Mark Grace is still in Arizona. He thought the party mm-hmm. was tomorrow night. No? Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> when, 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 like, when you asked me about, like, you know, we brought out uh, those guys uh, to the Hecker party this year, like, are you sure these guys are show up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, like, you know, sometimes it's screw up, you know, or something happens. But. So, yeah, this one. So, I got 150 people here. I'll pay to come see Mark Grace. Yeah. And there's no Mark Grace, you know. So, you I had to go like up vomiting? there. What's that? Did you just feel like vomiting? Oh, it was the worst feeling ever, you know. But I, I tried to stay patient and calm. Uh, so, I went up to the stage, and I basically said, you guys, just like the Cubs World Series, we're going to be in a rain delay here. Meanwhile, I'm trying to work <laughs> it out with Mark Grace, you know. Uh, when Mark, well, if you're not coming tonight, can you come tomorrow or when can you come? So I can tell these people something, you know? So he got some, one of the guys that handles them involved who I remain friends with to this day. And Mark ended up coming the next day. And, uh, so it was hilarious. Mark Graves comes down, you know, he knew he, he knew he screwed up bad and walks down the basement. Um, I'm, I'm holding my daughter at the time. And my daughter looks at him. I didn't get to say hi to him yet. You were supposed to be here last night, Mark. <laughs> <My daughter>. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I lost major money on that party, you know. Uh, I really yeah. did. I lost tons of money on that party because I had to throw two parties, obviously. I had to yeah. buy food and drink for two nights. But Mark Grace came. He's an unbelievable guy. He, when he, he was, I was giving him a tour of the basement. He's like, all right. I gotta ask you, what do you want from me tonight? You want the rated PG Mark Grace? You want the rated R Mark Grace, or you want the X? I'm like, dude, we want the rated X busting version of Mark Grace right now, all right, buddy? You know, so uh, he he killed it. And when he went on stage, <laughs> he goes, I know everybody, I fucked up, you know. And I was just like, I was happy to that because people were blaming me that it was my fault. You know? But uh, but Mark Grace always comes to mind because of the whole situation, but like, you know, Kyle Schwarber got, got a great relationship with him. Uh, I've been to his golf tournament the last two years. I mean, that guy, I mean, literally we had to shut the lights off so people would leave because yeah. Kyle, Kyle wasn't going to leave. He, what he year, was, what a year great was time. he out? What year was he out? 
he was out uh, two. Uh, he was out after the World Series, so he was out. I want to believe it's 2018. You know. Okay. And I'll tell you one thing, Brad. I'll tell you what. Ben Zobris comes out here May 2nd, the last year. Okay. I I could kind of tell us something wasn't going on right because uh, there's just some weird vibes going on before the event, you know. But yeah. I was assured that he was coming, so he comes over. And um, we were raising money for a, a police officer that was falling in the community. Um, it was one of my most successful events. That uh, I think we raised thirty-six thousand. Or it, no, Rizzo. When Rizzo came, we raised forty-seven. But um, anyway, wow. he came over, and you would never know, like all the shit that he was going through. My photographer, right. I used for most every party, came up to me at the end. She goes, "He was the nicest guy you've ever had here. The way he handled your guests." And like he was, he was unbelievable. And then he, he, you know, he played three more games, and then he hung, you know, and then he took right. a leave of absence and stuff like that. But I would have to say, for what he was going through to come over here and put on that face, even though probably, you know, obviously this it, it was going on for a while. If you remember, he didn't come to spring training on time that year, on time either. Right. So this thing was festering up a little bit. But uh, he couldn't have been nicer. But you know what? All the guys that have been here. Um, have been great. Uh, a lot of the older guys, you know, the, the the current players are all nice, but they always got like three or four people in front of them to, to tell you no. You know, they have right. no people. But when right. you get the older guys here, like the Bob Deneers, Gary Matthews, you know, we are lucky enough to have good old Billy Buckner out here before he passed away. Uh, oh, man. Those guys are like awesome. Like Ray Burst, you know, I didn't even see the guy pitch a game, but I think the, right. I think the world of Ray Burst, he's just like, that guy's He's something else, and then like, then you got like a Miggy Montel that comes over here, and it's just you know, it's like one of your buddies in high school that you drank with. He's just so cool, you know. And yeah, uh, and yeah, and and you you were gracious enough to help arrange him, and John Maley for uh, for our spring training trip this year, and yeah, they were they were better than advertised, man. They were phenomenal. Yeah, no, M- Miggy, uh, he's just he's passionate. He's a passionate person, you know, and he and he he's, and he doesn't he's pa- he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't do anything to hide his passion. He doesn't do anything to like mince words. He's very straightforward. You don't have to wonder what he's thinking. Exactly, and those are the kind of guys I really like. You know. Yeah. Uh, so who's your, he, who's your dream guest that you've not been able to arrange yet? Well, Joe from Obvious Shirts would love this, but boy, I would really love to get Sammy Sosa out here. You know, I would really <laughs> love to get him out here. Now I know there's a yeah. lot of people that don't like Sammy. You know, but uh, Sammy. Uh, when I was a kid, I got some pictures of me and Sammy down in Club 400, but Sammy was always really good to me, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, he sat in a uh, hotel lobby with us, and there's I got oh, wow. like three or four awesome Sammy stories. So, I, you know, you take, like with anything in life, if someone treats you good, you're going to love them, you know. And Sammy always treated me good. And, yeah. You know, he, he was the only reason to watch the Cubs for a good six or seven years. I mean, there was yeah. no other reason to watch them, you know. And, yeah. Uh, I, yeah well, I would love to get him out here. Yeah, whatever people think about those guys from that era, um, you can't deny the impact they had bringing the game back to the forefront after the after the '94 strike for sure. Yeah, and it's just a shame. I don't know the politics behind it or whatever else, but there's no reason not to at least bring them back, to, at least to the right. convention to the fans. You know, I, I I got two Sammy. I actually got two of them, but I'm like Sammy, I'll bring you back. He hasn't been back to Chicago since he left. You know. 
So oh, I was like, wow. hey, why don't you come out come out to Club 400? I'll pay your travel expenses. I'll get your first class ticket. You'll give me, you know, and then I'm like, we'll raise a bunch of money. You can even pick the cost, you know, and, you know, put some good out there with your name attached to it. And, um, yeah, I just haven't been able – I haven't gotten a response from them, but – you know, we'll but see. We'll work got, on that. that you, did, a, you got a hold of them. You just never got. You just never got a. a right. Exactly. I was working on Chris Bryant before this, pan, you know, pandemics uh, broke out. But um, you know, that would be on the guy I would obviously like to get out. Um, uh, that's he's definitely high on my list. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then I mean, you know, we had Wilson Contreras out here last year. We had Big Z out here. I felt bad for Big Z. We had Big Z. Last year, for both our events, we had bad weather for both of them. That's the thing uh-huh. we can't plan for is bad weather because, you know, it is a house and everything, but the way the, the base is laid out is it's a walkout. Um, so the backyard yeah, back, is kind of yeah. like, a, a, like a wedding setup. We have tents out there. We have multiple <laughs> multiple bars. Dude, I cannot, wait to, I cannot wait to get out there as soon as this quarantine is lifted. You, you sent me a text message, I think it was yesterday, about – the, the raging parties that we're going to throw. Uh, so we'll oh, to, yeah, yeah. We'll put together some really good collaborations, man. We'll do we'll do some heckler stuff. We'll do some Club 400 stuff. We'll combine it all. Sure. Just, I mean, because I, I, I've, I've always, like, I you know, me and you don't know each other that well. We've been talking a little bit more here and there. But, like, I've always been a, a fan of you guys from a distance. And, like, you know, crashed your spring training parties a few times over there in front of the Sheridan. And I'm like, man, that Brad, he knows really how, that guy knows how to throw a party, which <laughs> confirmed it for me uh, this year yeah. uh, when I went with you guys uh, day, uh, Thursday when we hung out with you guys. And it was the worst hangover I had on that Friday morning ever, by the way. I left with the drinking <laughs> injury uh, that, that night. Drinking but, uh, injury. Well, I, I think uh, <laughs> you had your foot on the accelerator pretty pretty firmly that night. Oh yeah, I did. You know, it was like me and William. Me and William was that was his first vacation in like five years. That was the only. That was the only. You know, you know how it is, Brad. I don't know how you do it. You, you throw these parties, but you, you know, you have to be. You have to know what the hell's going on. Right. So we had a lot of we had a lot of people coming out. That was like our free night. So yeah, I kind of cut loose that night, and then, and then you know we did our stuff, and then we we ended up coming over to see you on Saturday, but. Yeah, I, I I party with the hacker. I can I I could wear that shirt now. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. So the the one thing I've been asking uh, all my guests, I think Joe was actually Johnson was the first one where it came up. But uh, I've been asking them what they would sacrifice in order for the uh, quarantine to come to a quick and responsible ending. Uh, what what would you sacrifice? Sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm, I, I was like, I'll sacrifice sex right now so that you, if we could just end this shit for a year. I don't even care. I, you know what? I'm like you. I'm, a, I'm a social person. Like this stuff is killing me. Like, yeah, I'm a mover. I'm a mover and a shaker. I can't sit still. You know, I'm a, a multitasker, and like just being, I just this is not for me. I, this is not for anybody. And I understand that. Uh, it's but it's just yeah, and to know that we're not going to be out of it for a while, you know, scares me too, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure, man. But we got to uh, just, you know, what I was telling you earlier, I think everybody has just got to try to, you know, look, look at the bright side of things. So, I mean, Netflix is out there. We can watch movies. We can eat pizza from home. I mean, I understand, but you just got to take it day by day and try to be positive because the mental part could really beat you up because I don't care who you are or what you do. You know, after a while, this shit will drive you crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. It will, man. Um, well, uh, uh, Stuart, I very much appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate these stories. I can't wait to be trading more stories in person uh, sometime soon over a uh, Hub 400 logger. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for your time. Well, I appreciate being on, and I'm looking forward to your future podcasts with what, what you're doing right now. I've been listening a lot of times on that work at my desk. And it's uh, you're providing good content, and I'm ha- was really happy to be on with you. And all your listeners out there, we will get through this. And you know, when it's all said and done, the hecker's gonna come back in style with a big old party down in Riggaville that I will definitely be at. So, well, and I'm gonna be at your your first welcome back party at Club 400, assuming assuming I can get my name on the list. Oh, for sure. You know, we are, we are really close. Well, we had I was practically almost booking Sean Dunstan's. Oh. Take it out here, and uh, so Sean, I, I texted him a few times. I think it'll probably be Sean Dunstan, but we'll see how it all works out. But I'm like you, Brad. You know, just gives me more time to plan a really awesome party later this summer. And now that London's canceled, we were going to do that. Uh, I could yeah. fully focus on this party and like at, for this next party. Who knows? We don't even need a cup there, man. We just need uh, each other, and that'll be a good enough party, you know. Yeah, that could that, that that would definitely do it for sure too, man. Well, thank you yeah. very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Stuart. There you have it. My interview with Stuart McVicker from Club Four Hundred. Um, pretty interesting guy. Definitely a little crazy. He would be the first to admit that. Um, mostly in a good way, I think. Right. Uh, great guy. Big heart. Um you know, likes to get people together and have a good, good time. You got to check out, um, his website. It's, uh, club 400 cubs.com. I'll link to it in the story as well, but, uh, check out the photos. This place is insane. I've actually never been there. I can't wait to get out there for an event. Once, uh, once we are able to congregate again, um, I can't wait for that. You can tell Stuart can't wait for that. We're going to throw a raging party and I hope, Uh, everybody we know can make it. Um, All right, until next time.